as I was thinking about the opportunity I had to share with you guys this morning, there was a couple of things that I thought, well, what, what is it that God's given me to share? And there's a couple of things that maybe are related that God's been putting on my mind over quite a long period of time. Um, and one of them I still don't have an awful lot more to say. Um, but my development group know it's been something that's been on my heart and the core team would know it's been something on our heart. And I, just, I don't have an awful lot more to say on it. But there's something more. There's a scratch that I've been trying to itch. And we're getting close as a, as a corporate group. We're getting close to itching it. But there's more for us to go. There's a further step for us to get to in terms of our corporate worship. And uh, we've been agitating over this for the last, last year in core team. Um, probably within my development group, probably for a bit longer than that. Um, it felt like for about a year within my development group, all we looked at was worship. And we looked at different notes and different teachings on it. And uh, some of the other members of the group maybe started to get a little bit bored of it. Um, but it's an itch that I believe God's given me that I haven't scratched yet. So I believe as a group of people, there's something more for us to discover in how we worship God. Um, and when you come on a Sunday morning, I'm talking about our corporate worship when we come together, because I think that will, that will impact our personal worship. But there's, there's another place for us. And I know many years ago, not that many, five, six, maybe seven years ago, we had that same feeling that there was a new place in worship. And we did lots of things and we discovered lots of things. And then I really feel God brought us Davy Cop with a particular teaching and direction for us. And there's a lot we learn from that. Um, but I still feel there's more. There's a next place for us to get to. I don't really know what it is. I don't know how we get there. Um, but I know the worship team have been looking at what, what is ours to do. I know my development group have been looking at it. I know the core team have been looking at it. What's next? And I just want to lay that, that expectation um, for you in terms of... That, that's where my mind's going a lot of the time. It's thinking, what, what next for us in worship? How do I give more? How do I sacrifice more in my worship? And there is something very important about the corporate expression. There's somewhere where we have to go together. And as you read the Bible, there's quite a lot about together in the Bible, about God's people doing things together. And so there's something, when we come here and we come as a corporate time of worship, we all have to worship. We all have to sacrifice. Whether it's a song we like or don't like, it's immaterial. But our our sacrifice enables one another to, to give more. I may speak more on that, but there's something I want to, us to think about in worship. There's also something that God's clearly been saying to us about thankfulness. And uh, as we looked at the, um, the Joshua stuff and entering into the Promised Land, as we talked about coming into the broad place, there's been a particular scripture that I haven't been able to get away from, and I've read it many times, I still don't think I've got fully what God's saying, but I'm going to share some of the, some of the thoughts, not necessarily new thoughts, but, but thoughts that are there that I think is particular for us. Um, so worship, thankfulness, and there's something, as I started this morning, about the children. And I think it links to thankfulness, and I think it links to worship. Um, there's clearly something it's bringing to us as a, as a community of people, and that's always exciting. So, <clears throat> many years ago, um, probably about 20 years ago now, round about there, 
Um, God spoke to us about the bones of Joseph and having our hearts on pilgrimage, that we wouldn't settle in one particular place, but that we should continue. And I don't know whether it's because of that word or that word suited part of our DNA. Part of, if you look at the, the core leadership, particularly John, um, he's not the sort of person to settle. Uh, he always wants the next thing. He's always looking, where do we go next? Um, and that idea of having our hearts on pilgrimage, of not settling, of always looking forward, has been really important to us. And I think it's really key, because if you look at the moves of God through time, you see a move of God, and then what tends to happen is the second generation within that move of God will settle. And they then create, by forming, just settling, by doing what their fathers did, they create a denomination. And the, and the move of God stops and, um, and becomes um, stagnant stable and they build an altar they build a, a building um, and it loses focus on the revelation that God gave I think that's really important for us um, that as we were a new move of God 30 or so years ago that we didn't want to settle there and so God's called us not to settle but to move on um, I think particularly for, for John that's part of his DNA now, and I think for the core team and for us as a church, that becomes part of part of our DNA. We've got so used to not settling, so used to looking on to what's next, that it just becomes part of us. But some time ago, someone came, might be Bernard, and spoke about DNA change. Yeah? Which was an interesting idea, and I use the word DNA in terms of our focus to move on um, purposefully, but I don't think that's something that God wants to change. I don't think he wants to make us settle here. I think that word that God spoke to us 20 years ago is still just as vibrant, is still just as true for us. And I think it's a great strength. But we all know our strengths are also our weaknesses. And our weaknesses are also our strengths. The two things, they're kind of the same. Any extreme has that same impact. And I thank God for this particular strength or weakness, I think it's something that God's given us. But there's also something that God's called us to, to counterbalance it. And whilst we're always looking forward, sometimes we forget to look back and thank God for what he has done. And so there's something that God's talked to us about, probably, probably over the last five years, um, about thankfulness. And it's something we keep coming back again. And I'm going to speak on it today, um, because it's important. Because I think God's still saying it. And I think it's something that we have to counterbalance our, our DNA to move forward, to progress. We have to counterbalance it with a healthy portion of thankfulness. And I think as a people, we have to be very diligent, very purposeful about our thankfulness. Um, I want to look at, at Joshua. And um, Joshua 3, essentially what I want to look at is, is a story where Joshua leads Israel across the Jordan. And um, it's a big river, and it's a flood season, so the water's pretty high. And they're not the military, they can't just make a bridge like that. I don't think that technology was around it in, in those days. So they're kind of stuck. But they do have a memory that God is beyond river crossings, that he can make a way. Um, I believe that memory is so great that it was known by all people. 
that when they crossed the, the Red Sea, um, everyone knew about it. Everyone knew what happened, and it had a significant impact. So Israel, as a body of people, have a memory that, that crossing a river is within God's ability. They've seen it um, as a body of people. So there's this body of water for them to cross, and God gives them a strategy of how to, how to cross it. Um, and he sends the Levites in ahead. In fact, let's have a look. Um, I'm just going to start. I'm going to pick out some key verses. I'm going to start from Joshua 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from, from Shittim and went to, to the Jordan, but they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. He wanted the people to be ready. So God was going to move in the, in, in the, in the presence of the ark. He was going to move the people, but he wanted the people to be ready for movement. Now, I can see how God's done that for us over the last couple of years, speaking about we're going to come into a broad place. He said the same thing. God said it to us time and time again because he wanted us to be ready. And I believe at the time where we came to that broad place and started stepping into it, we were ready. God had prepared us. In fact, I was so ready, I thought I was about to burst with readiness for God to move us on to that next place. But I think that that need for us to be ready continues. That we shouldn't just think, wow, we're in the broad place now and sit down. We shouldn't just build houses here and rest. But we're just crossing over and that need for readiness continues. I think we need to, as a people, be constantly ready. Just like God spoke about our hearts on pilgrimage, I still think it's relevant that we continue to be ready to look to see where God's going to lead us, where next. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. Since you've never been this way before. That's kind of exciting, that's kind of adventurous, isn't it? that we haven't been this way before. So the way that God's calling us isn't the way that God's called us before. There's something new, there's something different. We can't just fall into old patterns or do things how we used to do them. And when we do something how we used to do it, we have to think, well, is this right? Are we just doing it because that's how we used to do it? Or are we doing it because that's how God's calling us to do it? <clears throat> Interesting, Levites went first. And Levites had a particular role in terms of leading worship in Israel. They were the worship leaders. And so they were led by, by thankfulness, by worship, and the people had to follow the Levites. And I think that's something really important for us in terms of worship. We have to remember that worship is led. We don't just do our own thing. Whilst we contribute as a corporate group, we do follow the leader. And there's a sense of a anointing on the leader. There's also a sense of team, and that we all have something to bring. Um, like Jane and Chris brought a significant input today. Um, and sometimes Julie Webster brought a prayer. And sometimes people will sing out something. Sometimes when I'm sitting in the congregation, I'll see one of the Levites. Um, I might see Rhodey. Rhodey is a good Levite. Oh, she's here today, so she'll get embarrassed. You ever watch Rhodey in worship? Sometimes I watch people. Because what they do, they lead me. 
And Rhodey is a Levite because she leads in worship. She doesn't have to be here to do it. Or sometimes I hear Dor, he tends to sit at the back there, usually when you're not here. And I hear him from the front. That's a lovely voice. Not just the sound, but also the fullness of him giving to the worship. And, And there's different people amongst us that have that anointing. And sometimes I'll just look at them to focus. Sometimes I see Daniel Jones here. And I'll just look at him, and, and that will really inspire me to worship. Um, I'm trying to think who else. There's different people, and I'll just watch them. And it's not that I'm not focused on my worship, but I'm allowing their worship to lead me. I'm, I'm allowing myself to be led by those Levites. Then you'll know which way to go, since you've never been this way before. This is interesting, but keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the ark. Do not go near it. That's really interesting. Because I don't think that's what God says to us anymore. Jesus wanted to touch the children. But there's a story in the Bible where someone reached out and touched the ark and they died. They had to keep a distance of about a thousand yards. It's close to a kilometre. Um, that's about the distance from Goodmay Station to the Tesco's Express at South Park, if you know that. that that's about a kilometre. That, that's quite difficult to watch, that distance. You've got to be really ready, because you've got to stay a kilometre away, but yet follow as well. God's so good to us that we can be closer to him now. We can feel him on our skin. We can touch him. We can catch him. Um, I'm really thankful for that. I want to skip forward. So in, in, in chapter 4, when the whole nation had finished crossing Jordan, so the, the Levites went out first, and as they stepped into the water, um, the river stopped further upstream. They walked to the middle of the river. They stood there, and the whole of Israel passed in front of them. When everyone had passed, um, it said, When the whole nation had finished crossing Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and carry them over um, with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together twelve, twelve men he'd appointed from, each, from, appointed from, excuse me, from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and gave them that command. Um, and then it says in 4.22 it repeats it again see the thing about the Bible repeating very repetitive but where it repeats I think there's something really important here something key he said to the Israelites in the future when your descendants ask their fathers what do these stones mean tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up Jordan before you until you crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we crossed over. He did this so that all peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. Now the bit that sticks with me is they did this thing, they moved these stones right from the middle, right from the heart of Uh, of the miracle that God had just done. 
And he said, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? You can tell them. Now, I want to link this to thankfulness and stones of thankfulness, because they were thankful for what God had done. It was, a, it was a physical reminder that kids would be walking past this. I don't think they were small stones. It said they lifted them on their shoulder. So it couldn't be huge, but I reckon, you know, good, boulder-sized stones. And 12 stones, and I, guess it's, I guess it's desert there. They're just crossed over. I don't exactly know, but I think these stones would have stood out, and 12 of them, 12 of them representing the 12 tribes, each man chosen from one of those tribes. And I think this speaks about our individual responsibility in thankfulness, our, our responsibility to lead our family, and I don't want you just to think about your families as your biological families. I want you to think about your families, about the people that God's given you. Because I think it's important that each one of us see us as part of a family. Because we are in relationship, because we're connected, we've got to see who is it that we're connected to. And our responsibility to those people that we're connected um, is that of a family, of people that we care for, people that we stand by, people that we support, um, whether we like them or not, on good days or bad. Um, you don't get away from your family, unfortunately, you might say. You just can't. I, just, they just seem to follow me around, personally. I, I don't know what it is. But we should replicate that with the families that God's given us. And so there's a point of each one of us leading our families, taking this stone of thankfulness and placing it, and having reminders in our house, in our lives, that our children can ask, what's that? What does that mean? And we can continue to remind our children and continue to share the story of God's goodness to us. It might be for me about how God gave me a purpose. It might be for me about how God saved me from the life I was living and brought me into a place of, of fullness. Um, it might be for me thanking God for the community that God's placed me in. Um, there's different things that I'm particularly thankful for that make that stone that I want my kids to see, I want them to appreciate. It's interesting what God's spoken to us about fathering, and then it uses that word here, when your descendants ask their fathers. And this is an impact that's going to go on. And as we place those stones, as we think about what we're thankful for, there should be an expectation that we're going to place that stone as a place of worship, as a place of thankfulness, that's going to impact our families our children and those that come after us. What I want you to do as you go home today is just reflect on, on your rocks of thankfulness, your boulders of thankfulness. Reflect on what it is you're thankful for, what is it that you'd want to share with your families about what you're thankful for, and how is it that you're going to place a boulder that's a memory to that. My son is in a whining phase at the moment. <clears throat> Maybe just when he's tired, but he's been tired a lot. And um, at the moment he's whining because he misses preschool. Two weeks ago, before he'd finished preschool, he was whining because he had to go to preschool. <laughs> but right now, every, almost every day. And, and Judy found a preschool that she was really keen on going, and they're full. And Caleb really wanted to go to preschool. And um, every time she'd drive around and we'd pass a church, she'd say, can we go in there? And she's like, she thought he'd become you know, really, really holy, just always wanting to go to the place of God. And it didn't make sense because we don't 
particularly worship in a traditional church building, but kept saying, can we go there? Different ones. Can we, can we go there? Can I go there? And then she realised it's because they'd visited a preschool that was in a church building, and he wanted to go to that preschool. So every night we'd pray for a place to open up in the preschool with him, and then a place opened up, and um, he loved it, and it was great, apart from every day saying he didn't want to go. Um, so now every day I miss my preschool and we're seeking to turn it into thanks so that rather than just missing it, he says, actually, thank you, God, for giving me that place. That's my aspiration that he would say that. I'm teaching him <laughs> to say that, leading him to say that. So that rather than looking at the negative, he looks on the positive and looks at how God's provided for him. That's what we're, one of the things we're seeking to do in terms of that boulder is teaching him thankfulness. And, and as a family, that, that's one of our key things. Right. The time goes quick. Um, I already said some of the stuff about the children, but God has a strong, again, 20, 25 years ago, he, he brought a prophecy to the church about us having a strong, a strong group of young people called it a Benjamin Gate. Benjamin representing the youngest of the, of the brothers of the 12 tribes. And that there will be a strong expression of that in this church. And that's something that God's promise remains on us. And so the, the significance of children remains key to us. And so perhaps at another time I'll share more on that again.